And I still remember that when I was out there, you know, hiking and seeing trillium and wildflowers starting and then seeing their entire life process and like to see a forest come alive and then go back to sleep again is something not everyone gets to experience to slow down and see that. Hey guys, welcome back to the Christian Ultra Podcast. Today my guest is Sarah Jones Decker and she has a book out called The Appalachian Trail Backcountry Shelters, Lean-Tos and Huts. This is a really sweet book and full of big, bright, colorful photos. Okay, online run coaching. Anyone who wants to enter the world of online run coaching, please go and check out my website, which is www.christianultra.com. And that's Christian spelled K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. Also, if you do like the show, please consider joining Patreon to support the show and help out there. And finally, if you like the show again, please do go and give me a review on um, Apple or wherever it is you listen. Okay, this is part one of a two-part show with Sarah Jones Decker. Welcome to the Christian Ultra Podcast, um, Sarah Jones Decker. Thanks for having me. No, you're welcome. And uh, you're across in America. What part of the, did you say you're in just for the listeners? Yeah, I live, um, in terms of the AT, I live just outside of Hot Springs, North Carolina. So I live in a town of about, I think we have about 900 people now. Yeah. Where I live. So my husband and I own a small organic farm. And that's what yeah. we do. No, that's pretty cool. I was, I was, re- I was looking into that as well. Um, uh, and you grow, you grow like you sell low sugar jams and stuff like that. And I was on the website. Vegetables and fruit. Yeah. Staying busy. I got, I can't believe I got away today to come talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Now I feel totally privileged. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's, let's share with the people I, okay. So everyone listening, I've um, asked Sarah to come onto the show because she's, um, through hiked the Appalachian Trail more than once, and also has an amazing book out, um, which was a part of a, a project uh, called App. Is the full actual name? Uh, let's get this right here. App- the Appalachian Trail Backcountry Shelters, Lean-Tos, and Huts. So, Sarah, Sarah's here to, or at least I'm here to ask Sarah about some of the awesome adventures you've had, but. Hey, Sarah, how about like sharing with um, the people listening where kind of your love of hiking began and then maybe talk about your first through hike on the AT? Sure. Um, So I grew up near the AT in Northern Virginia. I'm from outside of a town called Winchester, Virginia. So anybody who's on the AT knows Bears Den. So that's where I used to hike in high school and like watch the sunset. And I always um, was interested in hiking. I started hiking... um, with my grandfather when I was 16 and he was 71. We did the White Mountains together. That's cool. And yeah. It was awesome. And he's still alive. I mean, he's 90. He's my hero. Um, I talked to him the other day. Um, and he really got me into it and he got his kids into it. And his, he, you know, he ran road races until his 70s. You know, he's just like a, you know, long term athlete guy. And um, that really got me hooked. So after grad school, um, my friend and I through hiked the AT. I actually had a shaved head. I have a braid to my waist now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I looked a little different then. But I hiked, I through hiked when I was 26 and I turned 27 when I was on the trail. And then 10 years later, um, after I had my daughter, I was um, 
you know, trying to figure out ways to get moving again and lose weight. And I started hiking on the trail every week just to get back in shape. And next thing I know, I was telling friends about this idea that I had 10 years ago about documenting all the shelters on the AT. As a photographer and an artist, I'm kind of a collector. Like I like the idea of collecting things through photography, um, especially things that might not always be here forever. And, you know, I was talking to some friends. We were camping at the Overmountain Shelter in North Carolina for my birthday. And I told them about my idea. And a friend of mine was like, do it. You should just do it. And yeah, five months later, January of 2018, I started the project. And I hiked. I made the goal to hike the AT every month of the year. Yeah. And I going on my third year straight what wow so since 2018 january you've been out every month including this yeah. month yes <laughs> it's, it's so close so uh, yeah i love experiencing the trail um you know as a through hiker you start in the spring and you end if you're lucky in the summer or if you're really slow like i am you end in the fall and um you know that's the way i think of the trail i think of the trail as january or excuse me i, I think of um you know, March is Georgia and that's what Georgia looks like. But for this project, I got to go back to Georgia in January, September and June. And those are three very different seasons from March. So it's cool to experience the trail as a section hiker because you really can see all the seasons instead of just like, okay, six months in a row. So I really enjoy being on the trail. Yeah. As much as possible. Yeah. I actually, um, I, before I ask you about your project, how about going back to the kind of hardships you faced and some of the highs and lows of that first through hike and, and, and the friends that you made, I know it's that there's not even a question in there, but how about um, sharing your experiences with your first sure. through hike? Yeah. Um, you know, the term trammely is kind of a thing now. And I think I had that, even though I didn't have the name for it back then, but um, you know, the trail family that you, um, gather along the way. I'm still friends with the guys that I summited Katahdin with. I mean, the Cincinnati boys, I'll always be friends with them. They come and see me at my farm. I've gone out West and skied with them. A lot of my friends, I stay in touch, of course, you know, with Facebook and things like that. But I have friends that I hiked with for a week, friends that I hiked with. These two guys I hiked with from West Virginia all the way to Connecticut. And then one day they drank too much and had to take a zero day and I didn't, and I never saw them again, <laughs> but I've, you know, talked to them and like stayed in touch with them. So, um, I started, I through hiked with a friend of mine, a girl that I was friends with for nine years before we hiked the trail. Um, but you, we met people day one and we met people all the way until we almost finished at the end. We hiked with some guys that were finishing up with us. So, um, that would be the best part of my through hike, honestly, is the friendships that I made. Um, and also, um, once you do through hike, I feel like you have this kind of invincibility, um, cape, if you will, you're like, holy hell, I just did that thing. And that thing was really hard. I could do anything now. And I've had a kid, so I can say like, I could do anything <laughs> now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was really hard in that I was a hiker. I hiked a lot in high school. Um, but I wasn't really a backpacker and my friend and I, no matter how much, research we did. I mean, we got to, we made mistakes. We all make mistakes and we, you know, had a heavy pack when we started and, you know, made these mistakes. Um, but it definitely helped me become, you know, I feel like I can hike anything now and I've hiked, you know, a lot since then, but I just feel like I can plan a trip. I could execute a trip and I can continue hiking through excruciating foot pain, <laughs> yeah. which is probably my biggest issue. I had a lot of 
I found out at mile 400 that I had the thing in my foot that my mom wore corrective shoes for as a child. Yeah. So even though I like ran cross country and track and like did all those things, I never had the foot problem I had until I got to Irwin and I could not physically walk until I went how, to the doctor. How, how far is Irwin down the trail? I, and you were heading north as well, weren't you? 300 some miles, 400 miles, like not yeah. that far. Yeah. yeah. So I had to get like custom insoles and, you know, my hiking partner was very supportive because I learned a lot about my feet <laughs> out there. So again, you know, that feeling that you can do anything, I mean, the amount of pain I had in my foot at some times and then to work through that, I think that's like with all outdoor people, all athletes, you've got to know your limit, but you also have to know how to push past that pain yeah. that definitely taught me that my threshold is higher than I knew it was. <laughs> wow. And, and it also sounds like the social element um, from people I've spoke to is such a huge part. In fact, I think I heard someone say recently they wanted to get away from people. And then when they went on the trail, they realized this is not the place to get away from people, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe this year. But yeah, I think, um, you know, they always say hike your own hike. I think people can choose to f go in big groups. And then you meet people who are like, no, I'm good. I'm going to camp away. I'm going to, you know, go ahead by myself. So I think you can create those kind of experiences. But the people you meet out there, you meet people from all over the world of all ages. And, mm. you know, I hiked a week in Virginia with two 63-year-old guys. And they were like afraid to call their wives and tell them that they were hiking with me, you know. <laughs> so it's like you hike with all different, all different walks of life. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it just seems to break down barriers and everyone's just out there with a sleeping system and a long way to walk, you know? Yeah. And happy to be away. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It takes a lot for some people to get out there. I mean, to especially a through hike, you know, not a through hike you do in 45 days, but a through hike you do over months and months and months. It takes a lot of preparation. I mean, to put your life on hold. So once you get out there, you're just like, can I relax? Can I just like have a good time now? Because it takes so long sometimes to, yeah just to get going. So uh, I, I can't remember who I, wa I watched. I think it was um, even Darwin on the trail. Um, I like mm -hmm. his YouTube videos is um, have you seen Darwin on the trail? Uh, mm -mm. Okay. So he's got really like really clean videos, which are just well put together and well thought out. And he, uh, one of the videos was how to prepare for a through hike. And one of the things was sort out all your admin which needs sorting out before you leave like your insurance your rent your phone bill you know these kind of things so you can completely switch off and just relax on the trail so yeah uh, there's a there's it's, a lot it's logistical isn't it there's a lot involved were you wearing trainers back in those days or boots in that in 2008 yeah so i started in boots and then i wore more of like a lightweight hiking low ankle shoe from yeah really Tennessee to Vermont. Mm -hmm. And then I wore boots from Vermont till the end. And yeah. I was thankful I had them at the end in Maine and stuff. Yeah. 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 It, it, it gets rough um, up there, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. It is and, crazy. And, and, up there. <laughs> and what made you go north? Like, you know? Um, well, my dad um, lived in Maine for a really long time. And Maine's a really special place for me. And I wanted to hike home. You know, yeah, I'm not from Maine, but my dad's up there and yeah. it's kind of like second home to me. And I just like the idea of, um, I read this book early on in my tr planning called A Walk with Spring and it's by Earl Schaefer, the first guy to through hike the whole yeah. thing. And, um, yeah, he just talked about walking with the seasons and like walk, watching flowers unfold and like watching the forest come alive 
And I still remember that when I was out there, you know, hiking and seeing trillium and wildflowers starting and then seeing their entire life process and like to see a forest come alive and then go back to sleep again is a, something not everyone gets to experience to slow down and see that. So I like the idea of walking with the seasons instead of against. That, that makes yeah. Sense. You know what? That's what you just said is just, that, yeah, you that's, get it. That, that's so amazing, you know, to see a whole, you know, um, organ, you know, flowers grow and die, you know, and a whole. Who has that forest much time? To, that's just so amazing. That is really profound, actually. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. it is. Um, well, uh, it sounds like your through hike was full of a lot of things, and you you can't talk about a through hike in three minutes, but yeah. I am excited to. Go ahead and um, so actually, let's before I go and ask about your project, which was um, the the lean tos and the shelters and the huts. Were you inspired in your first through hike with this? Then is that is that? It was in my journal, so I did write about it. So mm -hmm. my my hiking partner had just finished her master's in architecture, and I had just finished my master's in photography. And she was going to draw all of the shelters and she drew a couple and then, you know, got over it <laughs> as you yeah. do. Um, and so I had, I wish I would have taken more pictures. Of course, the first damn time I hiked, cause I had to go back to shoot a lot, even though I stayed at all the shelters, I, a lot of shelters, I didn't take pictures of all of them. Um, you know, it was in my mind and I had the idea and I, you know, I wrote about it in my journal, but I ended up, you know, other things came and went and other art projects came and went. So I had the idea on my first through hike, but you know, as an artist, it's really easy to doubt yourself and be like, oh, someone's already done that. Oh, what's the point? You know, oh, I'm sure someone's already done that. So I kind of put it on the back burner. And then fast forward 10 years later, I just started Googling stuff and looking it up. And I mean, there was nothing. And I'm like, this is so weird. You know, I always tell my students, it's like, we live in a postmodern, you know, the, the saying that we live in a postmodern world. So everything's been done before. But I always tell my students, it hasn't been done by you. You know, yeah, there's always yeah. room for more art, right? There's always room to make more art. So I'm like, well, okay, it hasn't been done. That's weird. And then I realized, yeah, because it was really hard. You know, that's why it wasn't done because it was very logistically challenging to get back out there without through hiking to go back out and to get all those shelters on. You know, I ended up doing almost 200 section hikes the second time I through hiked. You know, I'd go and hike for a day by myself or I'd go and hike for four days by myself or I'd go for a week at a time or an afternoon. So I was really piecing it together in this kind of crazy way. Um, yeah, and when I contacted the ATC, they even responded to me and said, that's so weird. Why hasn't anyone done this before? And then it was on. Once I realized that it hadn't been done yeah, and everything's been done 20 different ways and on YouTube and, you know, all these things, I'm like, okay, I might have found a window of something that hasn't been done. And then it was kind of full speed ahead after that. So um, the actual finished um product is actually a book uh, which I, I said before named the appalachian trail backcountry shelters lean to and huts and that's um sits on your website um actually can you get that in um stores as well or you can yeah so um you can get it everywhere amazon books a million barnes and noble target all that stuff nice. and you can get signed copies from my website yeah that must that must feel pretty sweet to have your book out so is it also in shops where you can physically walk into as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So I have a really, I mean, I have an amazing publisher. I have um, Rizzoli International. Um, they actually have a bookstore in London, I think. They have a bookstore yeah. in they have Australia, Canada. So I kind of, 
went, I went big. I was like, that's who I want <laughs> and cool. they're going to stand behind me. And yeah, it was a crazy process. Um, but it was, it was worth it. So I didn't yeah. self publish. I published, someone published me, if that, yeah. you know, there's two different routes. And so, um, yeah, I don't know how I would get my book into all these places, but that's their job and they did it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they take a percentage as well. And oh, so, yeah. you know, it's not, yeah. it's, it's not just for um, fun. Uh, Rizzoli sounds like an Italian kind of um, name. <laughs> it that. does. Yeah. Or type of pasta, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, they, were awesome. they were awesome to work with. It's a lovely um, cover photo you've got on there. What, what is the um, actually shelter that you've why did you decide to use this particular shelter on the cover? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so that shelter is above Hot Springs. It's like the first shelter north of Hot Springs. And that is the section I trail run the most. And so I visit that shelter multiple times a year. Um, I just love the idea. It's just like a classic yeah. Adirondack shelter. You know, it's like slanted roof, three sides, log. It's an original shelter. It's from the 30s. Um, it sits right on the AT, like there's a blaze on the side of it. And that's not very common. I just feel like it really, um, is the epitome of a classic AT lean to like what they used to all be. And you can see the trail and you can see the trail goes right literally in front of it and keeps going. So, yeah. um, I just love the idea of, you know, that saying if these walls could talk, like yeah. what, what has that shelter seen? It's been there for like 90 years yeah. and the trail has not moved away from it. I mean, that's so cool. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, no, actually, I, just, I, yeah. I was, I was, I'm looking at it now. And as you were describing, um, you know, why you chose it, it's taken on a whole new meaning. Actually, you, you're right. The, the trail is in front of it. It's beyond it. The white blaze is on the shelter. It's visible. Um, it's actually yeah, perfect. Cool. I, I wouldn't have chosen a different one myself. Um, oh, thanks. no, it's, I want to represent the home team. Like I love where I live and I love North Carolina and you know hot i go to hot springs like every week well not in covid times but i'm in hot springs all the time and so yeah. it's like you know represent the home team you got to put the shelter that's like right here which is kind of cool I, um and side, side note that shelter and the two shelters south of hot springs are three of the oldest shelters in a row that are left on the at oh so that's, that's the next three are all that old yeah it's kind of cool yeah and they were all built like in the 30s and the shelter on the front of the book it was um they went up there and made a sawmill in place and cut down all those logs. They didn't go to Lowe's, you know, or Home Depot. Yeah. Yeah. They like built a sawmill, found all those trees, cut them in place, milled them in place and built that shelter right there. That's so cool. I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, it is awesome. Let me take a step back for the listeners in case I've kind of jumped ahead and not been specific. Your um, dream was to go to the Appalachian Trail and make a photo diary of every single backcountry shelter lean to and hut and have them all in one book. Yes. And document them and write the history about them. So the history of the trail, you know, is spread along so many people, you know, and trail clubs and historians and trail enthusiasts and through hikers. And, you know, the information was not as easy to find as I would think. So I ended up working with all the trail clubs and working with the ATC and working with historians and working with so many different people. I mean, I would work with the people who built these shelters, the people that, you know, take care of these shelters. And so I think it's kind of cool to kind of throw this big net and gather all this information together in one place. And even if, you know, a shelter gets torn down or whatever, Hey, it existed this one time in this time capsule 
I think of my book as like a time capsule of 2018 and 2019 mm. and what the trail looked like. And in 50 years, a lot of these could be gone, you know, um, during the time, the two years I wrote this book, two shelters were torn down yeah. and two were closed Yeah, in just well, two year time, you know, and only 20 shelters have been built in the last 20 years. So, you know, it's kind of cool to have this little moment in time to go back to one day and maybe I'll do a second edition, you know, 10 years from now or something, which would be really cool. Um, but yeah, I like that idea of just kind of like a time capsule of, um, the way, way it was at one point. So, you know, when you, you did your first through hike and then, um, I, I looked on the site and it says that you did so 10 years later, a second through hike, but with your with your daughter if i heard that wrong did you hike so she, yeah so you know i was um i had an eight month old daughter when i started this project and my husband hiked with me a lot in kind of the winter um but he's a farmer so he had to go to work um and it's kind of one of those things i had this crazy idea as i do and my husband's like yeah great can you take her and i'm like <laughs> yes and so I did. So I ended up taking her. I personally carried her for over 350 miles. So she just rode on my back and I carried my camera equipment and my tripod and diapers and wipes and two raincoats and food and snacks. And um, yeah, I probably had like a 45 pound pack at some points um, because I was carrying her too. And so um, I set out the goal. I, you know, I looked at my calendar and I'm like, is this completely impossible for me to get all these um, shelters. And I started just writing all the shelters that are in North Carolina and Tennessee, because it's like on the border there. And there's, you know, 60 of them. I was like, okay, well, there's 52 weeks in a year. I'm going to hike every one of these on Wednesdays. And so she would always come with me on Wednesdays. Um, yeah. I mean, I breastfed her on the side of the trail. Uh, she took her first steps on the trail in Pennsylvania in That's front of cool. a bunch of through hikers that like did a standing ovation for her. Oh, so good. Um, so yeah, so she's hiked, hiked, um, <laughs> parts of Georgia, most of North Carolina, Tennessee, half of Maryland, half of Pennsylvania, all of Massachusetts and all of Connecticut with me. So yeah. And now she's like three and a half and we, I mean, she went on my hiking club. I have a hiking club down here just with friends trying to get people out on the AT once a month. We're like hiking the Madison County section in my yeah. backyard. It's like from Max Patch to Big Bald is our section. Anyway, she came with us on Sunday you know, she wanted to be in front. If she wasn't being carried, she wanted to be in front, which is like a snail's pace. Um, yeah, she came for like a nine mile hike on Sunday. So yeah. 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 So she really likes, she still likes being out on the trail, which is really cool. Well, you, you know, your um, grandfather introduced you when you were a teenager and, you know, you introduced your daughter and she took her first steps on the trail. So you've taken Crazy. it to another level, you know. Yeah, it was pretty, I mean, I knew it was close. And then we were actually at like the half gallon challenge place in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And she stood up and just like walked in front of all these hikers. I was crying. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Did, did you do the half gallon challenge of ice cream yourself that, that particular time or not? Not when I was hiking with her, but the first time I did it, yeah. And yeah. I like threw up. <laughs> it was so <laughs> much milk and it was like July and it was like so hot. And when you, I mean, it's cool. It's like a thing you do and you get this little like, you know, piece of wood, like a scoop that has yeah. like half gallon challenge written on it. But I was just like, I'm not lactose intolerant by any means, but that day was a little, it was too much ice cream on a yeah. hot day. <laughs> I, it was not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, just 
Uh, yeah, yeah, just for people listening in, the half gallon challenge is a half a gallon of ice cream because you're at the halfway point of the Appalachian Trail. Is that right? Yeah. The key is to let it melt and then you just drink it. Drink it. Yeah. yeah. That helps, <laughs> which I didn't know at the time. I didn't do it that way. <laughs> That's probably why I threw up. <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. know. It sounds fun. Um, it was fun. There was a bunch of us. It was fun. So after you did those, uh, that initial first, uh, how did you say there were 60 um, shelters in? Yeah, there's, um, there's as many shelters. Yeah, there's as many shelters in North Carolina and Tennessee as there are, I guess, like almost in the state of Virginia. So Virginia has like 60 some and then North Carolina and Tennessee have 60 some. So, I mean, this, the way I planned it, I was like, well, let me just see what I can do close to home. You know, yeah. that way I can take Josephine and I can you know, be home at night, I'll go and do a, a hike and come back. And I started piecing it together. And um, as a, I'm a professor and I'm not this semester, I'm taking this semester off, but um, because I can, I don't want to be teaching online right now. But anyway, um, I would have these breaks. So I would have like fall break and then I would have spring break and all these things. And so um, for those longer breaks, I usually would leave without Josephine. And, you know, I flew up to New York and I did New York and New Jersey one trip. Um, I went up and did, you know, Connecticut and Massachusetts one trip. Um, I did Maine one trip. So there were times where I was kind of doing these bigger sections, but yeah, I was hiking every, every week and every month pretty much for two years. And I had sent in my pitch to the publisher and he actually had like written back an hour later and said they were interested, which is like crazy. That is um, good. Yeah. But it still took, you know, seven months for them to physically give me a deal. And so I'm just like hiking, like, I'm like, okay, whatever. They're totally going to buy this book. Cause that's cool. They're going to do it. I'm just like hiking, spending money, like traveling, you know, with and without my daughter. And, um, then in January of 2019, they're like, okay, we're ready. We're ready to make you an offer. Can you finish it in six months? And I'm like, I'm going to have a heart attack. Um, so it was kind of like high speed then. Then I was like, hey, husband, I got to fly again. And I got to go do this thing again. And I'm going to be gone for like half of August. And, you know, so he was super supportive of it. Um, but once I physically had the deal, then it was like I had a deadline. So like I didn't have a deadline the first year but I pretended like I did. And I think that's why I was able to finish it because it's a lot to rehike the trail in sections. Um, shout out to any section hiker because a through hiker, you get on the trail, you go North, whatever, you know, it's not as much planning once you're out there, but as a section hiker or a lasher, like a long ass section hiker, that's a lot of planning to get to that point again and to get back to your car and to, you know, there's just a lot more logistics. So I have a, a respect for anyone who hikes the trail in more than one because <laughs> it's a lot of planning yeah yeah um i think warren has done a lot of um section hiking warren doyle himself because he uh um i think he's done it quite a, quite nine through hikes and then so many section hikes and i think awesome. he like leads groups and stuff it's pr pretty cool um well uh hold on i'm stuck for thought i'll i'll, I'll i might edit this little bit <laughs> i just had a bit of a brain freeze there. <laughs> It, doesn't it happens yeah so okay um did you feel um under was that first of all was that the first was that Rizzoli who you uh, approached straight away and they got wrote, like, yeah i only wrote one publisher yeah i mean first of all to reach the you know the a goal and and you know the most the one you were sorting after the most congratulations for that that's brilliant yeah. 
and um and then also to be still focused while they were dragging their feet or at least you know getting everything done that i think that's good because that shows you were determined and also believed in what you were going to do and that you would do it and then how about when they actually said right this is the deadline was it always fun or did you ever feel under stress and a bit pressured where it became a bit you know, I feel like I never really felt stressed until the very end because I was in Maine, you know, far away from my, you know, now two-year-old daughter and my husband who's trying to like still work. <laughs> so I'm like in Maine hiking and it's awesome. And it was just kind of, you know, weather and we had a lot of issues on that trip. I mean, cars not starting, flat tires on back roads, cars not starting again. Like, you know, we just felt like we were hitting all these like obstacles that were unnecessary. Um, so, you know, I had friends coming to meet me. I had a friend who was hiking the hundred mile wilderness, who's also a professional photographer and she was photographing for me. And then I was hiking the South of Maine and we were going to meet together and hike Katahdin. So I had to like, I went and met them and hike Katahdin. And the next day I had to go back and hike another 13 miles to the damn shelter. I couldn't get to the day before, you know, so it should have been like epic, like I'm done. And instead I hiked 12 miles in the rain the next day. You know what I mean? Like I'm tired yeah. and my feet hurt. And yeah, so we like, we're just, we kind of trimmed down our gear. I mean, I had hiking boots on and I was running through the woods, like over it. Um, and then we get to the shelter and you know, the people who were in the shelter wouldn't get out of the shelter for me to take a photo. And everyone's always been super cool about it. So I was like, I'm not going to flip a table in front of a bunch of strangers. Like I'm ready. Like, I'm just want to be done. <laughs> this is yeah. like the last one. Um, so we got the pictures and then we, the last, you know, we turned around to go back to the car and it was like black skies downpour, crazy. We get to the car. Oh my God, we did it. We're like, hi my friend and I are high-fiving each other. This girl that hiked with me, I mean, in like nine states, my friend Emma came and met me and hiked with me. And, um, you know, I was so happy and so stoked and so just thankful to be done. I drove away and left my boots at the trailhead with my $300 insoles in them. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like from my doctor. Yeah. And I called a friend who lives up there and I was like, man, is there any way? And he's like, I never saw him. I thought maybe I left him at his hostel. He never saw him. So, you know, boots are boots, but like, doctor insoles i'll never forget that's how happy i was when i was done that day though i was like get me out of here like i want to go eat food <laughs> that last that last photo with the last shelter with the people did you take the photo with the people still in it then you know i i never like want people to like be uncomfortable for me to like do my project i'm a pretty personal you know i can talk to most people hey do you mind getting out of the yeah. shelter for a second they were not having it and i get it they were through hiking they had like two weeks left of their through hike. So I just asked if they would scoot up against the back wall and I shot it at an angle. I do have a picture of my phone of me just flipping the shelter off. Like I was over it. Um, <laughs> I did not put that in my book, but um, yeah, you can't tell that they're in there. So I did that a bunch of times. Like if people were just like, can I not move? And I'm like, yeah, totally. Um, in the yeah. Smokies, in the Smokies, one guy wouldn't get out of the picture. And he was like, I mean, I get it. You know, it was raining. It was February you know, at 6,000 some feet, it was cold. And I was like, honestly, dude, you just sit and I'll Photoshop you out. And he was cool with it. I was cool with it because <laughs> yeah. he was, he was having a tough day. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'd rather, I didn't want to make anyone feel weird, but, um, for the most part, I mean, I met people, you know, over two years, a lot of people, a lot of times I would get to a shelter and no one was there. Um, but a lot of times people were there and they were always super nice. Um, and I usually would get their address and then I would like send them a thank you card in the mail. 
or like send them artwork in the mail, you know, cause he doesn't like real mail, you know, to get home oh. and have mail. So, oh, yeah. 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 I miss that. I really do. I miss postcards and letters and stuff, you know, I'm a big fan. So I'm like, yeah. I'll send you something. Hey, if you get out of the shelter, I'll send you something when you get home. And they're like, whatever weirdo. And then they get home and I actually did it, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah um, I mean, it's a massive project again. How many uh, shelters in total did you um, photograph? Or so there, um, at the time of the book, there was about, there was 276 shelters. Um, so I shot when all, when it's all said and done, I'm, I think the book is like 90% my photography mm -hmm. and then, um, 26 of my friends, I got them involved too. So, I, you know, I have a lot of friends that are photographers. I have friends that are photographers that are also through hikers. And so I would, I reached out to a bunch of people and I'm like, look, you can be in my book <laughs> if you have a picture that's good. And so people would send me pictures and, you know, one friend has one picture, one friend has 25 pictures. So I would, I mean, I guess I'm trying to think how many shelters I personally shot over 200 mm. on this for the project. And then I had a lot from my first through hike. Um, my one friend, I got to give a shout out to Melissa click is her trail name. Uh, Goodwin. She's my number one contributor. She has probably maybe 30 pictures, not just of shelters, but pictures throughout the book. Um, yeah. and she's uh, a friend that hiked with me a lot. And actually she hiked the, she was hiking the hundred mile wilderness with a friend in August when I was going to be up there. And I'm like, Hey, I've hiked the hundred mile wilderness. So like, I don't have to hike it again. And you're like already going. So do you think maybe you could maybe shoot all the photos for me? And I mean, she did, it was awesome. <laughs> so it was a, it was a big collaboration uh, project. When I started the project, I really thought, oh, this is going to be so easy. Like I'm just going to go on like Google search and I'm going to find these shelters. Everyone has pictures of shelters not that many good pictures of shelters though, right? Like my standards are a little high, um, but there was a lot of, I couldn't, you know, there's thousands of pictures of the red barn. There's a million pictures of the lakes of the clouds, but I, you know, some of the more random ones, there weren't a lot of pictures, but then I, you know, I reached out to a lot of people. I did the cold email. Hey, I'm working on this project with the ATC. I've got this idea. I found your picture on this Google search and I went to your website and I really like your work. Would you like to be involved with me? almost nobody responded to me. Wow. It was so crazy. Like I, you know, here's a link to my website. Like I'm professional. Like this is what I do for a living. Nobody. But then this one guy, um, his trail name is Gandalf. I got to give him a shout out. He wrote me back and he was stoked. We're like, he, he helped out a bunch when hiking and was like, Hey, I got some more pictures for you. I've never met him. And he yeah. was yeah. super cool and helped me out. So maybe I went into some spam folders, but I wrote this one guy like four times. <laughs> and then a friend of mine wrote him to see if he was just ignoring me yeah. and he didn't hear back either. So yeah, <laughs> I did try like, and I tried to cast a big net, like, you know, the trail belongs to all of us. Right. So it's like, it doesn't have to be just my story or the way I see it through my lens. Like I really wanted to get it out there and I posted on all the Facebook groups and every time I would just get shut down, like they would delete my post within seconds because yeah. it's like a contest or, you know, I try to share, Hey, I'm trying to do this project and it would just get taken off the Facebook pages. Wow. So I thought I was going to have an even bigger collaborative effort, like with people I didn't know in that yeah. way. Like there's so many good photographers out there, you know, yeah. and I never thought it had to be just me, you know? Um, and I found that I, besides my friends and a few people that responded to me, I was like, well, shit, I got a lot of photography to do. <laughs> so I just, you know, I had to go out and do it because I couldn't really, you know, you find a picture online and it looks good online, but then you actually try to look at it and the quality is not there, you know? Yeah. 
did, someone's did, thumbs in the photo or whatever. <laughs> did you um, use only one type of camera or did you use a variety of cameras yourself when, from your own personal photos? Yeah, so I carried my SLR. I have a, I'm a Nikon girl and I carried my SLR and a couple lenses, but I use an iPhone too. So sometimes, you know, hey, I had my iPhone. That was a great photo. And I go back and look at my pictures. And for whatever reason, if I liked the phone one better, I did use that sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. So you weren't snobby about like it being an SLR. So you could just, yeah. No. I had both cameras. It just depended on when and where and, you know, what was going on. So, I mean, yeah. I think about like, one hike that my friends and I did in Vermont last year was April in Vermont. And we were hiking in knee to shin, knee to thigh deep snow. Mm. And by the time I got to that shelter, I'm like, great, let's go. Like I'm out. Like I took pictures <laughs> with my good camera, but I liked the pictures I took with my cell phone for some reason better. And I'm not hiking back there. I can tell you that. So it took, it was like a mile. It was like, you know, 1.3 miles off the trail which is really far you know for a spur trail is, for a it is, yeah. um it took us hours uh, yeah. hours because you know we didn't need snowshoes yes we did <laughs> we didn't have them so halfway into the hike we we're like we've made a huge mistake <laughs> but we were stubborn enough to finish so um yeah it just really depended when i got back and looked in you know in photoshop kind of what what I thought told the story better, but, and you know, throughout the book, it's not just pictures of shelters. There's pictures, you know, I wrote articles about. Yeah. I was going to ask, there's other, there's other photos as well with, with text. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times those would be with my phone, you know, here's a picture of a shelter sign. You know, I might just snap it with my phone, but yeah, I wrote about like shelter etiquette and privies and fires and campsites and um, you know, leave no trace is really important to me. It's something that um, you know, I work um, with a friend of mine. We do video, um, all these different video projects together about leave no trace. And, you know, that's kind of always my platform when I want to talk about the trail is like keeping it nice for the next person. Cause it does belong to all of us, but we shouldn't, you know, our mom's not going to clean it up. Um, so I have a section on leave no trace and throughout the book, I talk about it. It's not like preachy by any means, more of like facts, like, Hey, this is why we do this. This is why, we, yeah. yeah, this is why we have privies and you should use them and not leave your toilet paper laying about, you know, things like yeah. that. Yeah. I think um, some people just don't know and they need to hear it more than once, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People need to be educated on, um, well, if you're leaving a trace, you're leaving something and who wants to see other people's possessions or old possessions on the trail and stuff? Yeah. Not me. Um, no, I, I hiked out a lot of trash on this project. I hiked out a chair. I mean, I hiked out, I was hiking out with stuff like taller than my head strapped to my pack. And someone made a comment like that looks heavy. I'm like, it's not even mine. dude. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm going to haul this out though, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I was just hiking through the trail with a bag of trash on my back. <laughs> like that was my style. <laughs> but I did, I mean, I did hike out a lot of trash, which is unfortunate, but Hey, I did, you know, continue to do my part. So, you know, Sarah, I think when you were looking into the history, what, um, stories stuck out to you the most about some of these, because some of these, uh, shelters have actually, I mean, they've got quite a, a lot of history, varied history. What, what kind of stuff, are there some which stuck out more than others or some, some interesting historical facts that you were, um, amazed and interested by? Yeah. I love the idea of like shelters that were moved, like they would take them apart and like put them somewhere else or, um, how one location would have multiple shelters in a location, like in, um, Trey mountain, Georgia, 
they built a shelter, then they tore it down and moved it somewhere else. And then they built it again down there. And then, oh, well, you know, it really was better up there. <laughs> so they built it back on the top of the mountain. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I like the idea of um, just the materials used. Like, I know that's not so, as so much historical as, I just like the idea of like, these old stone shelters, like why did they choose stone or why did they go with logs or, you know, just the different techniques that you can kind of see throughout the history of the shelters. Cause there really are like, if you look at them as a whole, you can see kind of stages of their building. And I think through time with tools and accessibility to materials that really changed. Um, not to sound like a weirdo, but um, I love true crime, like true crime podcasts and stuff. And there's yeah. some pretty crazy stuff on the AT and you know, there have been murders at some of the shelters. And I found it really interesting that some trail clubs said, yes, absolutely put that information in. And then other trail clubs said, no, we do not want that in there. Oh, wow. And some that's, of that stuff is, interesting. it's interesting, right? And so like some of that stuff is common knowledge. Like there's some that, you know, everybody knows about, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's some that I didn't know about. And so I started working on this project. I'm like, why did I never hear about this? You know, and I feel like you could write a whole book about it. But um, the historian, um, the publish, head of publishing at the ATC, Brian King's really nice guys, an encyclopedia of the AT. I mean, he is the guy. And, you know, I asked him about it. I just said, you know, how do I treat this with respect? Um, you know, I don't want to exploit this in any way or give, you know, you always hear the, the bad guy's name. Like you don't, you often hear the victim's names, you know, and I just want to make sure that I did it right. And, you know, he said, hey, history is history. Put it out there. That's your job. It's not your job to comment on it in any way. Mm. And so that's kind of the way I approached it. But I did um, want to respect the trail club's um, wishes. I mean, there's one in um, Virginia, uh, Cow Camp Shelter. They did not want it in there. And it's unsolved to this day. 2011, they, a guy was missing and they found him in a shallow grave with his camping gear gone. And it's never been solved. And they, there's nothing. You hardly even see it on any searches. And for me... I'm like, man, that information should get out there. Maybe someone remembered meeting him or maybe someone saw yeah. something, but the trail clubs didn't want that. And there was a shelter in Tennessee, same thing. They were like, no, take it out. Yeah. So it's like, what you do, you know, you're like writing a history book, but you also want to honor and respect. So I, that was my kind of middle ground was I'll do what you tell me to do, you yeah. know, because yeah. I didn't want to hurt any feelings or, you know, well, yeah, you've got to, you've got to yeah. respect the community and the people. And if yeah. it's a trail club, that means that that trail is in their area and they're responsible sure. maybe for something. So, you know, that's fine. That's just an individual choice, isn't it? Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, but it was really interesting to me in how some people were like, yeah, oh, I got newspaper articles. What do you need? I will send you all this, you know, stuff. And I'm like, I just need like two sentences. Um, mm -hmm. But it was just interesting to me you know, you, people will say, oh, is it dangerous out there? Is it this or that? And I mean, statistically, no, but some of the stories really stand out. Like when you, you know, do the research, you're like, wow, that's really crazy. And someone who, you know, as a woman who hikes alone often, um, of course, you know, reading those stories are, it's, it's interesting, but it's also good to know kind of what, you know, has happened before to be prepared and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I, I've done searches myself because I'm also interested in, um, I've also listened to some true crime podcasts about murders on the Appalachian Trail it's I don't know it is, it is an interesting um there's a bunch of people uh, that's why those things are out there you know just to learn about these things and what happened and yeah so I guess when you search and it has a number that's not the actual number then really there's other things which are unspoken about yeah I mean there was one I never heard of and I found it like deep in some 
you know, article written forever ago and you look and look and you, know, you talk to the trail club, no mention of it. And you're like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like, why is there not? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the list is pretty close, but then, you know, there's things like, Oh, well, it didn't take place. It took place near the AT. Like there's an unsolved murder here in hot springs. Well, it happened at a trailhead. So technically that's not the AT mm. so that you never see that listed. Okay. You know, and that's like right here, you know, where I live. And so it's just, a, yeah, it's just interesting. So it's just as someone who likes, you know, mystery and those kind of detective type things, you know, I just found myself learning a lot about that kind of stuff. And, you know, also just history in general, it's just really cool because you go to these places and you spend the night or you stop and get water and you move on. And it was just really cool to research, you know, to give credit where credit's due. I mean, someone hauled those things up there. Someone maintains that shelter. Someone built it. Someone thought that was a good place to build that shelter. And maybe their trail club knows that, but now it's kind of on a, you know, a bigger scale that, you know, they did all that work. That's really cool. You know, here it is, this guy, it's named after this person and their family dedicated this shelter to this person. And this is why. So there's a lot, you know, some shelters have very little history and some have enough to fill a whole book. So, um, do, does every shelter have a name then? Yeah. Every shelter has a name and, um, you know, I kind of break it down. I should have sent you my PDF. I break it down. It's like, the state that it's in, the elevation, how far it is off the trail, how far it is on the trail, when it was built, when it was renovated, how many people sleep in it, what's the water source, is there a privy, what's the bear situation, and what shelter club takes care of it. And then on top of that, I write whatever I could gather on that shelter. And I mean, it's a, you know, a paragraph or two, because, you know, the book would be huge if it was a lot. But um, one guy wrote me and said, you know, your book was pretty good, I guess. But I think it would be more interesting if you just wrote one book about one shelter. Now that would be a bestseller. <laughs> and I was like, which one do you pick? I don't know. I like the idea of all of them. <laughs> uh, you know, it's... um. Uh, what is it? Hike your own hike, they say. Yeah, write your own right, man. I was just like, yeah, that's a great, that's a really good idea. Um, yeah, it's funny. Um, I never thought of it that way, but then I was like, but what shelter would you pick if you just picked one? Because yeah. some are old and some are new, and some had crazy things happen at them, and you know, some have been rebuilt, and you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, it was kind of funny because um, he said you did an okay job with some facts, but I need the information, all the information on one shelter. So uh, maybe he'll write it. It'll be great. I'll buy it. <laughs> be a <best> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you did your, uh, did, so when you were out, you mentioned that sometimes you were out for a day, sometimes you were out for four days. Did you actually stay in these shelters as well then? Sleep you know, um, when I was on some of these longer away from home trips by myself, yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie, I sleep in my truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? You know, yeah. you know I'm a solo woman hiker. Yeah. I'm traveling multiple trailheads, multiple places. And a lot of times it didn't make sense for me to hike 20 miles to get two shelters when I could like park at a road, run up a half a mile, get the shelter, get back to my car, drive down the road, you know, hike up again. And so I kind of, you know, hiked it very differently than a lot of people do. You know, I call it shelter bagging. No one does that. It's yeah. like, no, you invented it. <laughs> yeah. It's invented. silly. But anyway, often when I was traveling by myself, I like the idea of a locked door. Um, and I also was hiking in winter, the dead of winter. And I was hiking in all seasons and, you know, hiking when there weren't a lot of people out on the trail. Yeah. Um, stay, I did stay at shelters for some of the projects if it made sense logistically, or if I had someone traveling with me, or if I was like, in a busier time, it's just nice to have somebody else out there, yeah. you know, done a lot of backpacking alone, 
I'm not going to say it's the most the most uh, the easiest thing to do sometimes, you know, to relax your mind. If you're the only person out there, you mm. know, your mind kind of wanders. So, yeah, I did. I'm not. I did spend a lot of nights in my truck. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed part one with my interview with Sarah James Decker, and tune in for next week to listen to part two. Have a great day.